And wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Maybe you are using our show to power you through a run or a workout. Maybe you're one of our geeks in sneaks out there. If so, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes, getting you through, powering you through with some game talk because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week delivered the way we love it to be. And that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Cashfly and Squarespace. Squarespace! They made that possible, bringing the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host, Slash nemesis. The guy whose last second Hail Mary might make us go over time, but it rarely wins the argument. Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. The guy who will be joining you Friday, January 29th at 12.30 p.m. at the Falcon Theater for a live DLC at PAX South in San Antonio. So if you're going to be at PAX South, please join us for a live DLC. We're going to have some fun stuff going off and i might i might just throw hail mary's all panel and just it ultimately won't matter but i might just keep throwing them (laughs) they'll be dramatic and ultimately uh, lose but that's okay Uh, yeah i'm so excited this is gonna be my very first ever pax south um very very thrilled to complete the pax rotation this is the last pax i'd never been to so very excited that we'll be doing live dlc at pax south so anybody that has a Friday pass, we hope to see you at that panel. Very excited. I think it's going to have some fun surprises and cool stuff, too. So don't miss it. Don't miss it. Thank you, Christian, for remembering to bring that up at the beginning of the show instead of just at the end. Uh, hey, guys, we have a big show for you this week, and we have a really cool guest. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata, your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh, man, I'm excited because DLC stands for Dead Star's Lively Community. <laughs> because we have the community manager for Armature Studios' new twin stick, top-down shooter Dead Star, and other things upcoming as well. It's Mr. Jason Heitman. Hey, Jason. Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for thanks for the great intro. <laughs> yeah, man. Thanks for being here. We're excited to have you. Um, let's talk first, uh, before we get into any part of the show, let's talk a little bit about what Dead Star is and how you guys have rolled that out. Is it still in early access or is it out officially now? So it's two two fronts. It is a PC and PS4 title uh, that is crossplay. So obviously you play it between those two platforms. It is an early access on Steam, and it is pre-order with an attached beta uh, on PS4. Mm-hmm. And uh, we haven't we haven't announced the launch date yet, but I would assume sometime after PAX South, you may know that. Oh, uh, we are. I mean, we're first part of 2016. That's what we've always said. Um, we're just trying to finalize everything to make sure um, we get the best date. But yeah, so early access um, on uh, more or less both titles. Sony doesn't have like an official, I guess, early access name. Uh, so this was the best way to do that so that we could have people playing on both platforms at the same time. Um, yeah, that's really cool. I, I think that I, I wish more games were like that. I love the cross-play uh, idea and I love that it's it's happening not just between you know Vita and PS4 but between you know PC as well. Uh, I think that's cool. Um, 
what so the game is a top-down shooter it looks gorgeous i've just I was checking out some of the videos and screenshots on steam i haven't had a chance to play it but man lively colorful vibrant uh really looks pretty uh, also looks like there's some uh rpg elements involved yeah so yeah big shout out to i mean we're not a huge studio here down in austin but uh we have a pretty damn talented art team and that stuff's pretty in-depth so it, it adds flair to the game that would be fun to i guess explore uh the different type of races and like why you're so let me let me i guess give you the overarching sense of why you're doing this dead star takes place in a part of space where they send all the criminals or prisoners regardless if they're good or bad people. And it is guarded by a, like an overseeing AI. Mm -hmm. So you don't have warp capability, so you can't leave this area. So basically it's these competing races or factions or however you want to look at them who are vying for control of this region of space. Uh, because the AI, the guardian AI system is seen its wear and tear. It's a little old now. So they're starting to take control of that. So how it correlates into a match is that you start off um, an opposite basis, red or blue team. It's normally 10v10. There's also a 5v5 option, but 10v10 is where it really shines. And the purpose is, is to play a version of Conquest, that you're going out, you're capturing these regions, you're upgrading these, these regions uh, or these sectors in space. And, uh, you know, first to a number of points or tickets is the first to win. And we kind of incorporate that in a way that, you can either win by just attrition, uh, just by you know getting more points than somebody else, or you can actually go and destroy the other team's like base by using the the guardian AI. Um, so we have four races: uh, they're the Valant, the Ithid, the Astari, and the Kurg. Um, there's a lot of influences in this game from things in the past. Uh, if you want to do like pop culture reference, Battlestar Galactica is a good example. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to do game re references, you're looking at stuff like Continuum or Subspace or a lot of other uh, kind of physics-based uh, twin-stick shooters. Because like you said, it you are using the left and right stick to maneuver and aim. And then on the top, if you're just talking about uh, the controller version of this, uh, all of your actions, your actionable items are on the top. So your your bumpers and your triggers, uh, they all have powers. And the way that we differentiate, because I guess you could say this game has some RPG or some MOBA-esque features to it, the way that you play. I mean, there's not like lanes because mm -hmm. all of the the game itself, it's not really a map, but if you want to call it that, they're all procedurally generated. So mm -hmm. every time you play in something... It's new. I mean, there's, and you're talking about hundreds of combinations of things, probably even more than that. I mean, like, if you want to get into the nitty gritty detail stuff, but like for the average, for a person who's just passing by and seeing these things, like it'll vary. It's it's very unlikely that you will run across the same setup ever. Um, so like you start in these bases and they're all hex based. So you know, a hexagon attached to another hexagon, and they're built around a map. Um, you have this opportunity in a lobby to pick the one you want to play or a random type, uh, but they're incorporated in a way that invite a lot of chess match, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not just about uh, playing. It's not like in a normal MOBA where like you have this base and that team has this base and nothing changes. Like you just push forward and backward until one team wins in a tug of war. This, I mean, you have the opportunity to go behind a captured base capture you could if let's say if you're cut off from your home base 
and they leave an opening, you can actually back cap near their location, near their home base or any other base they may have left vulnerable, allowing you to try to shift the battlefield. Now, the home bases don't shift, but it allows you to, you know, spawn your team there or kind of retake regions that you may have lost earlier in the match. Hmm. Uh, there t- Go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, I just think the idea of teamwork in a twin-stick shooter is a, is a pretty cool concept. I mean, I think we've seen, you know, since the early days of Smash TV and stuff with, with you know, two players <laughs> yeah. trying to be cooperative. But this seems like it takes it to a whole other level of actually coordinating a team like you would in a MOBA or in something like Rocket League. But yes. doing that with a twin-stick shooter, I think, is a really novel idea. Yeah, it's it's... I mean, if you want to go back... A while. I mean, this game started off as a prototype. Uh, it was a totally different experience, and uh, one of the things I'll describe later is what it originally started as, where it was just more about exploration and not so much about um, combating or combat against um, other teams. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's the way that it plays is that it's easy for anybody to pick up because you understand the basics of how it plays. You know how to move the controller around. Everything is pretty much one for one. Um, obviously because of the way, you know, like if your turret is moving, it's not, you can't like spin it around in a hundred degree or 360 degree axis and be able to shoot at everything instantly. There's a little bit of a delay so that it adds more of a realistic feeling. So you're not just spamming space more or less, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, because I would get really annoying, but the cool thing, like you said about the teamwork, sorry, uh, if you guys can hear that in the background, unfortunately our only room that we can use as a studio is right next to the elevator room. <laughs> so it just constantly sparks up, you know, every few minutes. But one of the cool things about the teamwork aspect is that we really hammer home in that it's not about being a slayer and it's not just about being a support player. I mean, you you can go in there and be, you know, the best player on your team and still lose because you're not playing properly. You're not organized. You're not working as a team. You didn't pick the right ships. Um, so, yeah, that's a, that's a good segue. We have 12 ships in the game. Uh, they're all unlocked at the beginning, so it's they are like heroes from a MOBA, but you don't have to pay for them, or you don't have to unlock them over a certain of time. You have them e- immediately. Um, this is not a free-to-play game. It is mm-hmm. uh, right now. Uh, it will be roughly fourteen ninety-nine to nineteen ninety-nine within that range uh, when it's finally launched. But um, so yeah, so you have all these ships. Each one of them has a different like so like the Valant ships. There's three. There's three classes for each one. It's the Scout, Raider, and Frigate. They all work and function in a, in a different way. Uh, obviously, it's hard to explain these things without actually seeing them. But mm-hmm. uh, the cool thing is each one of them can be played offensively and defensively, depending on how you fit into that mold. And taking all of the same type of ship or too many scouts or something like that can really hamper you because you can take three scouts if you want. But those things have their abilities and their functions. But sometimes in a late game, if you don't have enough of a balance of another type of ship or another race, it'll really hurt you. Mm-hmm. So one of the cool things is when you get into the lobby, you can see what everybody has. You can see what they're starting with. Because basically you go into a match, you pick three ships, and that's your loadout. You could switch between those three ships at any time. You share XP between all those ships. So you will equally level up as you go through. And you could just add points as you go. Um, so it, it incorporates this ability to play however you want and you will be successful with your team. Like I am, I play more 
So I play super aggressive with one ship. It's called the Justicar. It is basically a massive snowplow. It's not very fast, but it does so much damage up front and a short range. Like a king that, snow plow from The Simpsons, or what? <laughs> something like That's that. Mr. Plow, Mr. Plow, yeah. <laughs> that name I mean, again it, is Mr. It, plow. <laughs> it handles like a boat, but if you pair it right with another type of ship, you can cause a lot of problems. And I will not so much worry about my KD, and I will just go in and try to do as much damage within that lifespan as possible, and take out as many ships, and just cause as much problem. On the, on the flip side of that, there's there's a race, the Ifid. So yeah, the Valant, they're your very assault class type. Mm-hmm. They're very offensive. They have tons of firepower. Um, they're kind of middle of the road in how much damage they can take. And then you have the Ifid, which are like these squid-looking creatures. Uh, they're your rogue-esque uh, ship. They have the ability to cloak themselves or team mm-hmm. uh, as you go into a base. For example, the Stalker which is a great support. And you can play it offense- offensively and, and rack up a lot of kills, but it's a great support vehicle because it has the ability to cloak itself and it has an EMP charge. So people won't see you. There'll be a battle going on. You can roll in, EMP another frigate or a couple of other ships or a base. Let your team roll in and that like those seconds that that, that person or that base is stunned is vital because it gives you time to put as much damage on that location um, as fast as possible, and then you have. I, the, I love uh, this idea that that these that these ships that there's actually a, a layer of strategy happening that is beyond just hey, be really good with a twin stick. I mean, I think we've seen a lot of twin stick shooters where hey, how good are your thumbs, and that yeah. equals how good are you, right? Yeah, and I think that's that sort of the 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 RPG layers, the MOBA layers, the strategic layers are uh, are really exciting and and sound like a real differentiator for this game. Again, it's called Dead Star. And Correct. it's coming out, uh, we will find out soon when it's coming out, but it's coming out this year, right? Yes, first and, part of 2016. And you guys are also uh, you guys are also involved in ReCore, which is one of the games we're excited about most for this year. I know you can't talk about it a little bit, but I just wanted to bring it up as an excitement yes. point for it's your cool. studio. It's cool. How about yes. that? <laughs> yeah. Do we, I always ahead, wanted Christian. to do like a zoom out and, and ask, like, I mean, this game, Dead Star, sounds very complex and, well, you know, not detrimental to its enjoyment but there's obviously a lot to it right it's not just geometry wars or whatever correct so and then you guys also have recore coming per your twitter you're doing the port of bloodstained which is not castlevania but castlevania and then before that uh uh blackgate prison what was the come on brain the um batman blackgate yeah the vita yes. and 3ds batman game um and then the handsome jack collection and then, yeah, I mean, we started off as a, it's, it's kind of a common thing uh, to build a war chest, more or less. You become a port studio to help, or a studio that helps um, other studios complete their titles. Uh, that happens more often than not, than people realize. It's not just one studio. I mean, if you actually look at credits in a game, you'll realize it's not just one studio usually making a game. No, it's one person by themselves. Yeah, I know Yes, yes, totally. Play. Yeah, all by themselves. <laughs> they do it. They never sleep. <laughs> they just sit in their office and chug Red Bulls until their heart explodes. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, that's that's a cool thing about Austin is a lot of these studios down here are predicated on their ability to help other studios build up their game. And then over time, they've built up a war chest or made the right kind of connections. And then they have their opportunity to kind of branch out. And I think 2016 is definitely armatures. You know, we're going to do our thing. You know, we're going to make the games that we've always wanted to make 
and we'll see how they work. You know, Dead Star is an example, and the same thing with ReCore and whatever else that we may have in the workings for the rest of 2016 and going into 2017. But, what a tease. Uh-huh. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> uh, let, me, let me ask you a little bit about um, being a community manager. I, I think that maybe a lot of our listeners don't know what that job necessarily entails. Obviously, you're the contact person for the community, and you probably you know, handle a lot of the correspondence. But what goes into that job? How did you get that job? And you know, what's your day-to-day as a community manager? So I'm a little different uh, because we don't. I'm kind of the marketing team as well, and I handle a lot of the PR stuff and some customer service. So it kind of varies. Community manager is just an easy way for somebody to be like, oh, I know what that is. But I don't really know if people do because in a lot of ways they feel like you're just a mouthpiece. Uh, you're just the guy out there flapping their jaws, talking about and you know shilling up the game and making everybody happy and doing a bunch of cool events and stuff like that. But I think it takes more than that because you have to really be – you have to be the best communicator you can be at any given time. Mm-hmm. And you have to be really good at listening and understanding uh, – what people want, you know, close read, you're close reading there. There's a lot of times you have a person who I, cause I used to be this person who's super passionate, doesn't know exactly how to say what they're saying and sometimes can come off derogatory. But at the same time, like you're trying to parse details out of what they're saying and be like, okay, I, I get what you're trying to do here. I understand, you know, what you're really trying to get out of this. And a lot of times it's not like talking somebody off the cliff it's just like, you know, you get in heated discussions with people sometimes. They're like, okay, cool, cool. Let's just back off for a second. Let's go over the overarching things that you're trying to hit on this subject. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the biggest part of this job, not only with the community members, but other developers, people on your team. Uh, because you're kind of the forward person. I mean, you become the the face for that game, more or less. I mean, mm-hmm. some and the bigger studios that have more successful people like the Naughty Dogs and, you know the Treyarchs and people like that of the world where you know other people of the team, a lot of the times for these smaller studios, the community manager or the marketing person is usually the face that you connect everything to. So it's, I love doing it because I love talking with people and I love hearing their opinions and their thoughts and their beliefs on things because I feel like that makes you a more successful and a better person uh, because you get to understand how they think and why they think that way. And obviously, it comes with its problems. I mean, you're never going to go into a situation or a game and not have somebody who's gunning for you. There's always going to be that. I mean, no matter what you say to them and no matter what you do, they want to watch you fail. They want to watch <laughs> you suffer. That's that's how Christ, a lot of Christian it, is that for me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's cool, but I no, let I mean, that one lie. I just let it, I just let it just let it sit there, Jeff. Got to know when to pick your fights, bro. <laughs> So you asked how I got into this. For years, I, I've i been playing video games since I was four, and I had never... I mean, I'd always thought, oh, it'd be cool to have it for a job, but I, I never thought anything that I did in my life would be associative to getting one. And for years, I spent a lot of time building up my existence on the esports side. I mean, I kind of started at the beginning of it all. I mean, my first competitive game was MechWarrior 2, and I played with a bunch of guys in their 30s from Montreal, and their English was terrible. And we kind of carried over into Rainbow Six Rogue Spear. And then I was in the early days of MLG, just like the the very, like the, the fledgling years of esports or competitive gaming. And I, you know, 
I, I, I served in the military. I was in, I was in the U.S. Navy for four years, and I was a mechanic, more or less, engineer. So my hands are they're a little old in the <laughs> sense of how old I am. I'm, I mean, I'm only 30, but they got beat up pretty bad, so I lost my twitch skills pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, I just couldn't keep up with people, and I didn't have the time. So I translated that over into being more of a back-end kind of person, like a guy who runs events or, or the person you ask when you want to organize a certain opportunity for a community – Sometime more more or less on the competitive side, I just made good friends. Sony took notice. Um, I used to so Uncharted Three is kind of where I made my name. Uh, there was they these guys used to play competitive matches and then go post them on YouTube and bit or they would complain back and forth with one another, and more or less just just you know it's a little immature. So I stepped in and organized twelve teams in the beginning of February uh, of twenty twelve. And then by August of that year, I had 295 teams actively competing. Wow. And these guys are more or less, a lot of these guys are like European or South American. So it gave me another in, insight to how those communities act and progress. And Sony took notice and they added me into a lot of their, uh, their, their endeavors or objectives uh, between, I guess, 2011 till about 2014. And... Because of that, I ended up getting a job in this industry as, as a community manager. That's where I started. And, you know, it's just progressed till now. You know, so now I have a, this. A, a quick recap. It's serve your country, <laughs> be a professional gamer, uh, have Uncharted 3 come out. And then, that, so that's, people listening, if that's what you're looking to do, join the armed services. <laughs> yeah. uh, be a professional awesome. gamer. Get in a time machine, have Uncharted 3 come out. Maybe you could do it for Uncharted 4, but like you're, yeah, yeah. that's your own risk. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, have a up-and-coming Austin studio spun out of people that used to work on the Metroid franchise, start their own thing, yes. and uh, have a really great year planned for 2016. And it seems like it's the recipe for success for anyone. Totally, man. You just I follow my exact plans, <laughs> and it will be the best It'll be the best experience we've ever had. But no, really, I mean, if I could say one thing uh, for how you get in this, because everybody always asks you that. They're like, oh, how do you get in the game industry? How do we do this? And I think the best thing is you find out what you're good at, you find out what your successful piece of the puzzle is, and you just hit it home. You need a network. It's an insular, it's an insular community. Everybody knows one another. I can't tell any people at this office or this studio that know Someone else I know from outside the gaming community or inside this community, and I've never met that other person before. It's just because, like, everybody seems to know everyone. Right. And that's the best way to do it. Like, just be a positive person, come in, you know, and but be constructive. And if you're going to give criticism, be very constructive. Don't just give a flaw, give an answer to the flaw and find ways. I told a lot of people a good way to come in if you don't have a lot of experience in programming or or engineering, or, or computer engineering, go and find a QA team, sell yourself as a person who can problem solve, go and help them, and then you will have the opportunity to grow within the, within the company. Because I know a lot of studios like to hire from within, because they know those people, and they've kind of, they've grown, or, you know, they've taught this person the ways of how things work here, and you know, you know the personalities. So it right. helps you. And Very maybe, cool, man. Yeah, so it's, I think that's, that's the best awesome. Way to do it. And we're we're super glad to have you. I think it's a really cool perspective to have, and we love the positivity as well. So, um, 
Let's move on to the news now because uh, we want to get to some the cool news that's happening. But I do need to mention uh, right at the top here that Cashfly is responsible for all the bandwidth that you, we have on the 5x5 network here. And they are the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. You can find out more about Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. We urge you to check them out because they are the best. Um, all right, guys, let's uh, hop right into Story of the Week. <laughs> story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week, it's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our um, for our consideration by using our hashtag on Twitter, which is DLCSOTW, or by visiting our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Really cool... Um, threads in the reddit this week including a guy who's um excited about jumping into heroes of the storm and wants to find a group that he can stream with so uh this is i am cash i highly recommend uh hopping in there if you're interested in playing some heroes do it do it um okay we got uh, some cool stories not a ton of news this week a little bit of a slow news week but some really interesting juicy stuff and jason as our guest you get first pick of stories so i'm curious what you would consider to be your story of the week uh I well, I mean, competitive background—the whole ESPN adding a dedicated esports conglomerate, yeah, <laughs> or, or yeah. group—it's a big deal. I think. I mean, we've we've certainly seen a lot of ESPN personalities like Colin Cowherd and others uh, decry esports as being not real sports or being somehow um, just a bunch of mouth breathers. Yeah, basically. not yeah. yeah, exactly. Not somehow not worthy of the the great ESPN brand. Uh, but uh, the truth is ESPN as a uh, organization is embracing it big time. Um, a, a brand new huge initiative is starting, including um, a new Twitter account dedicated to esports from ESPN, new writers hired on, new coverage plans. Uh, it's happening in a big way. We saw, you know, just last week, I don't think we mentioned it on last week's show, but we saw Activision Blizzard buying MLG. I think this year... Uh, even more than past years, we're going to see esports blow up even larger than it's been. Uh, this is something you're excited about, Jason? Yeah, I think. Well, the guy, the guy that runs it, um, Rod Berlichu, I, I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his last name, but the guys that are the editors or the main figureheads for this kind of addition to ESPN are they're good people. I've followed them for a long time. Uh, they know their stuff, and I, I'm. I love esports in a whole, just because I love to see what it does for the gaming community, what it, how it progresses. I'm I'm more I'm more attached to the FGC or the fighting community than, for, you know, maybe MOBAs or something. I obviously love shooters because that's what I grew up on. But I I mean, there's nothing better than watching Evo, and I can't wait to see how this broadcasts that material to a wider audience. Because man, I mean, like every July getting to watch Evo, like, it's a special thing. Like, it's this really cool opportunity. Like, the people are so passionate about the things that they love. They're still playing games that are, like, 10, 15 years old at this event. And I, it's, one of, it's one of my dreams to go to Evo. I mean, I've been, <laughs> I've been to the E3s. I've been to PAXs. I've been to most of the major North American events. But I've never been to Evo. And I, someday I'm going to go and just take it all in. Yeah. Because it's, I mean, just from all the, the moments from last year... From the guy, you know, getting up too early and yeah, losing crazy. that match, and <laughs> or the, the amazing... uh, arcade stick not working correctly. Uh, yeah, and... the the ending uh. of 
Street Fighter Four and like all oh. that stuff. It's just that's Drama. one piece of the entire puzzle. So seeing how ESPN takes this seriously and what kind of coverage they dedicate to this process, you can make some really cool stories off of this. People will yeah. get to understand and know these players, but they're not just robots. You know, they're they're just like the rest of us, and they have this this dedication to a craft. And I want to know how they got there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm really hoping that they they approach it not as esports as sort of one thing, but yeah. really cover it as multiple events. So yeah. multiple I- individual disciplines, you know, so that you have a fighting game dedicated coverage, you have a first person shooter dedicated coverage, you have MOBA dedicated coverage. It's not like, hey, your esports roundup of the week. Here's all the games going on. You understand that each of these disciplines has its own nuances and its own uh, specific heroes and villains, and it has its own, you know, storylines to follow. I I think having a, a network like ESPN devoted to it, I hope they approach each of these games as if it's the difference between hockey and basketball or football and baseball, you know, that they really understand that esports isn't just one thing. Yeah, I think you know? that'll come with time, though. I, I think sure. it may be a little cramped and slammed together at first, but... I think by the end of 2016, I I believe that it'll have a real dedicated following for each one of those pieces. And I think that the ESPN eSports Twitter will have branched off to different versions, just like they have, you know, like ESPN FC, ESPN NFL, all that stuff. And I, I, I don't know, I think it's going to be super exciting to see how much production they also dedicate uh, to these events. I don't care so much about the fact that it's on TV. That's not important to me because I feel like TV is, what it is, is dying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, being streaming services is fine, but it's it's more the 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 experiences and and the stories of these players that come from this. Yeah, it's the quality of coverage from yeah. a, from people that know how to deliver that kind of content. Yeah, Christian, you agree with this? I'm excited for it. I think it's interesting. In in while esports is still young, it almost feels like their ESPN is late to the game in the sense that you know. League runs its own tournaments. Blizzard runs its own tournaments, and now they own MLG. And mm-hmm. so I, I don't know what the incentive is for these big companies that already have successful streaming stuff to license out or however they would do um, streaming of that to ESPN. Or if ESPN is just commenting on it like they would a, a sport that they're not airing also. Um, maybe then, but it, again, it seems like uh, ESPN is the... What's the correct family member? I don't know. The estranged uncle that's like, guys, <laughs> remember when I, I used to be so cool? I had that 79 Camaro. Oh, Rico? <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Exactly. Yes. From Napoleon <laughs> Dynamite. Perfect. <laughs> and uh, it's interesting. Hopefully, hopefully it pans out. If nothing else, though, I like it because now people have to stop saying that X is going to be the ESPN of esports because ESPN is trying to be the ESPN of esports. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of discussion in the chat room. SR7 and others are saying uh, Twitch has the market cor- cornered and nobody is going to ESPN for esports. I, I don't think that's wrong, but I do think that the, the idea that, that <laughs> Twitch can compete with ESPN from a on any level is is a little is a little bit um, <laughs> wrong. Huh? You just said <laughs> Here's what you said. I don't think that's wrong, but I also don't think that's right. Yeah. Here, well, I don't think that's true. wrong, but let me tell you how I think it's wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, I think I think it's wrong. I think he I think he no, I, I think what he's saying is that uh, you know, where gamers go right now is Twitch, but the idea that ESPN is covering this 
brings it to a potentially much wider audience. Yeah. And so, yes, he's not wrong that right now Twitch has the market cornered, but bringing uh, a huge global brand like ESPN to the mix expands it out of the world of people who just, who, ha- you know, there's a whole bunch of people who have no idea what Twitch is or how to access it. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, a great event like Evo gets, you know, hundred thousand viewers, but ESPN's in the millions. And I think that's just an order of magnitude, greater potential for, for this entire sport. I think yeah. one thing that could be discounted in this situation, I understand that ESPN lost Grantland and that was a travesty, but with the same sense, like it's not always just about the the viewership stuff that you get from it. It's also the content that is created from that. Sometimes written because maybe I'm a little old school. I mean, granted, you know, I grew up in those sport eras where it was more about the written material or the you know the the, the telephone game that was played through that. But at the same time, like I think some of the the written content. And some of the stuff that is not directly integrated to just broadcasting the show, like that's one thing that Twitch does am- the amazing with is all this live material. Well, sometimes I don't want to just watch live material. I want to, you know, I want the NFL films version of esports. Like I want it. Like oh, the yeah. thing is like the free to play movie that Valve made. Like that was one of the coolest things I've ever watched. I loved that because you get into these players' heads and you understand, you know. The, the, the brevity of the situation and where they came from and how it all plays. Like that's what I want to see because a, a major corporation like ESPN or Disney or mouse ears or whatever you want to call them. Like they have that power. They have that ability. I don't know if Twitch is there yet being able to produce that stuff, but they're definitely skyrocketing. So mm-hmm. they could easily be there. If not by the end of this year, or the beginning of next year. So I think, I think that progression and that, that kind of stuff is what I and even if ESPN fails, you know, this will be a catalyst or a platform for somebody else. And by fail, I don't mean like it burns, you know, burns to the ground, but it's just it didn't work out for them. So, Christian, how about you? What's your story of the week? It's a slow, slow uh, game news time still, but I think it's interesting that um, how quickly. So I should <laughs> I'm 10 steps ahead of myself. Filming has completed on the Assassin's Creed movie. I think that is an, an, a noteworthy story on account of it is award season here in L.A. And uh, I think what Critics' Choice were last night and um, Golden Globes already happened and we're, we're barreling into the Oscars. And you have an actor like Michael Fassbender who can act. He can act the crap out of things. Um, starring in the new Assassin's Creed movie, we knew that. But it has it has wrapped and it wrapped... Uh, it's what less than a year away to come out, and I feel like this movie we found out about it. Fastbender got cast, and they filmed it and shot it in for Hollywood terms for a movie that reportedly has a budget in the 150 million dollar range very quickly. So I'm curious, and also the the rap picture they they showed they they tweeted out from Ubisoft's account, I think it was their Twitter. I mean, it's the cast or a big group of people in front of a big green screen. I mean, all movies there's the great pictures of Force Awakens with and without effects. And um, a lot of movies, of course, have a lot of post-production done to them. But I'm just, I am optimistic about this movie because of its casting, but also very scared that, I don't know, man, it's barreling upon release. And I feel like (laughs) the movie has a lot of work to be done, even though principal photography is over. Jeff, you, you review movies on the Slash Filmcast. Is this, is this a movie that you're excited about? Do you think this will be the, the first big critically acclaimed video game movie? 
I certainly hope so. I think that it has all the right elements. I think Assassin's Creed is primed and ready to support that kind of narrative uh, that works in a movie theater. Um, and, you know, we've seen decent video game movies before. This wouldn't be the first non-terrible one. Um, <laughs> right. But, yeah, I, I think the caliber of talent involved, the director and the and the star, as you mentioned – um, you know, it doesn't come out until December, so we we got a while yet. But I'm I'm certainly rooting for it, for sure. Uh, what about yeah. you, Jason? Uh, I'm I'm not really partial one way or the other. Like I think I hope it does well. I'm 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 not really hard on stuff like that. Like the you know the Warcraft movie that's come out, everybody bashed the way it looked. I'm like I'll watch it. I think it looks interesting. Like I like that kind of stuff. Like. Maybe I'm not the best person to ask to be critical <laughs> or have my take on this kind of stuff, but I love Michael Fassbender. I think most of the stuff that he has done has been fantastic. So I'm excited to see how it plays out. You know, I'm I'll go see it. But the thing is, is like I have a young child, so going to the movies is not something that I have ample amount of time for. Right. So I, I take it when I can get it. But uh I'll see yeah. it at some point. I, I hope I hope it's good. I mean, I think you know, Assassin's Creed lived and died on its on its you know aesthetic, and uh, I think that that could be, especially if they embrace some of the cool sci-fi elements. I think it could really set up a neat franchise and be a cool be a cool film. I really hope it does. Um, my story of the week, I, I think, is going to have to be uh, the news and sort of press deluge about the division that we're getting the beta. The big point of news, of course, is the beta is happening, and it's coming out on Xbox One 24 hours earlier than PS4 or PC. But So that, that process starts January 28th, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the coming weeks as, as we get our hands on it. But um, the big takeaway for me about all of this uh, coverage that's happened and the sort of new bits that we're hearing is that my excitement level for The Division has been renewed. And uh, it had really been waning, as we talked about at the end of uh, last year and the beginning of this year when we were talking about our big expectations for 2016, I was a little bit, um, you know, not as, not as thrilled about the division. And I think I had been a little weary of year after year hearing more about it and it not coming out. And now that we know that it's, it's coming relatively soon, I think March is actual, uh, release date, March 8th. Um, it looks pretty cool. It looks like another take on that destiny esque formula of getting together with your friends and taking on, uh, you know, AI and other players. Uh, a lot of the systems that they're talking about and the look of the game really has me intrigued. I'm wondering if you guys are, uh, excited about division. What, what do you think, Jason? Is this like a cool game? Are you, are you excited? Is it pre-order status for you? So I'm not partial on this stuff because obviously I am a Rainbow fan. So uh, it go my my love for the Clancy esque titles from Ubisoft uh, knows no bounds. So yes, <laughs> I will. I will. I am getting it no matter what. Like even if it, even if the stuff came out and it had the whole you know Watchdogs, com- all the things that people complain about Watchdogs. Like I loved Watchdogs. Thought it was a fun game. I'm going to be the same way with the Division. I like the idea that of hopping in and out of, you know, cooperative or competitive play. I think that's going to be really interesting. And I don't know, like just the way that the game looks and is set up, I'm excited for it. Yeah, you're uh, I love your your um 
elevator noise now because it, it adds like this ominous tone to everything you're saying. You're like, sorry, I'm tr- <laughs> I keep trying to mute myself whenever it goes on. No, no, it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's like the Inception trailer. <laughs> it yeah. is like the Inception trailer. It's funny. Uh, Christian, The Division, are you back in? No, I'm I'm not. I I, I uh, like I said. I think Far Cry is is a wonderful franchise that those developers and Ubisoft has made that has been um, a franchise that has lived up to expectations and often exceeded hype and done new things. But so many of the other franchises that Ubisoft does just don't click for me for whatever reason. I applaud them for being a large studio that does take risks with their franchise. As much as it's easy, as easy as it is to just. Oh, another Assassin's Creed, another whatever, another t- cl- uh, tower climber game. Unlock a <laughs> unlock collectibles to do the thing. I think they do take risks within their formula, um, but few of those games click with me for whatever reason. So I'm cautiously optimistic about the division, but it will be a week or two after release, most likely that I that I take the plunge, unless they send me a copy for review or something. Obviously, I'll <laughs> I'll spend time with it, but I'm curious to see how the online infrastructure holds up. And how deep the gameplay is, whether or not it's, um, I don't know, whether or not it's uh, engrossing or whether or not it suffers from Destiny Year One fatigue, which I already have my arguably bad game that I keep playing in Destiny. So, <laughs> Well, um, there is one anonymous uh, poster here in the, uh, in the chat who says the division strikes me as the evolve of this year. Everyone huh. all hyped for it and it comes out and no one keeps playing. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think some of the interesting things that I'm seeing with it so far already place it a little higher than that game in my estimation. But, um, you know, like there's this potential that there's this core mechanic where uh, you go into the dead zone and you get some really cool piece of loot and then you have to be extracted. So you throw a flare down and you have to wait 90 seconds for a um, helicopter to come and extract you so you can get that loot. And that flare alerts all the other players in the game, in your area, on your server or whatever, uh, that you have awesome loot and you're trying to get out so they can come to your area and fight you over it, which I think sounds like a really thrilling idea, but also sounds like it could be potentially really frustrating after a while of like, I just <laughs> yeah, yeah. want my loot that I earned. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I think there's some really cool, interesting ideas. I love the look of the game. I love the the density of the world. And I, I really enjoy games that are built around cooperative team-based experiences um and I, I just hope that the thing that destiny didn't grab me with which is sort of a, a level of interaction in the world and things that keep me going it sounds like the division has this cool sort of base building mechanic and there's a bunch of carrots um for me to earn more than just cool new guns which for for me destiny just it just didn't have enough of that um but you know I will, we shall see very soon, I think. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. I mean, the headlights are on. It is coming out, uh, which I think is exciting, too, just because, what is it, a three years ago E3 reveal? So, it, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been barreling at us for a while on the hype train. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one other quick thing I just wanted to bring up just to get your guys' opinion on it. We saw EA Access launch on the, P- on the PC this week. Uh, $4.99 gets you, uh, a month, I should say, gets you... Access to full versions of PC games, a bunch of them, uh, EA games, and also gives you a 10% discount on future purchases and um, some DLC content and stuff. Uh, do you think this is a good deal, Christian? I'm an EA Access uh, member subscriber on Xbox One, so I thought that was a good deal. Um, I think the trials for games before they come out is is pretty awesome. I mean, it's 
I think is it all of their games? It might be all of their games. And um, I don't. I think the PC offerings are a little lighter, but I think it's cool to see them rolling that out over there. I think the idea of the service is really cool and unique, and I like it's their approach. I think to incentivize digital purchases, it's kind of to some extent their take on you know what Amazon Prime does, where right now it's you know they offer twenty percent off games or Best Buy's Gamer Gift Club or something like that, where it's if you pay us this club fee or Sam's Club, right? You pay us this club fee per year. We give you incentives and bonuses and perks that hopefully make it worth it to you and then also um, allows you to get discounts if you buy the games. For me, where I feel like I don't know if EA will realize this, that it's more common than not, I feel like the 10-hour trial they give you is usually enough for most of the EA games, but that's just me. I'm not the biggest sports gamer, so I'm like, oh, sweet, 10 hours of the new Madden is enough for me, and I have fun with it, but at that point, I'm not then ready to plunk down 60 bucks to keep playing Madden. I'm like, that was well worth my time. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, I, I think the $5 price point is a, is a pretty uh, easy barrier to entry, right? It's not it's not too high. Uh, what, what's your take on this, Jason? I, yeah, I got it. Uh, I, I yeah. have EA access on my Xbox as well because I want to play FIFA and Madden early, uh, which is weird because I never buy those games on Xbox. I always buy them on PS4 because that's where most of my friends are who play those titles. But my wife's a big Sims fan, and, you know, I play plenty of EA games on my PC, and I was like, you know, that's, why not? But a lot of the people in the chat are talking about the Amazon version, which is like the 20% off, all the all the stuff that you buy if you have Prime, which I think is pretty substantial because I have, I have Prime. So I'm excited to see where that goes. But back to the original point of the EA access, I want to see, oh, this is like way out there, and I highly doubt it's going to happen. But it'd be really cool if they finally put Madden back on PC. Like I don't know why that made me think that was going to happen, but I was like, it, it could, it could do it. Like this is the closest they've been in years. So <laughs> yeah, I, I think that you're right. It is the closest they've been in years. So you know, anything's possible. They'll do it, but it'll be the free to play app store don't, version. Please don't say that. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy to see ads on TV for that. By the way, insane. Uh, yeah. Oh, I know. I actually know the guy at EA that put together the. He's the creative director who puts together those videos. And talking to him about that Madden one the, uh, with Gronk and Gronkowski and uh, Julio Jones stuff like that, that was by far one of the funniest adverts I've ever seen for a video game to date. Yeah, it was great. Um, all right, so we have our playlist coming right up, but first I want to thank our, our sponsor, Squarespace. You've heard me talk about Squarespace a whole bunch on the show. It's because I use it. I like it. I'm very happy to endorse it because uh, it's something I actually use. My my own website, jeffkanata.com, is built on Squarespace, has been for years, and the reason is it's easy. <laughs> Honestly, I like stuff like this to be frictionless, and Squarespace is pretty much as close to frictionless as you can get. It is uh, easy to make something beautiful, unique, interesting, and uh, it's inexpensive as well. Um, the, the great thing about Squarespace is you can try it out without even having to give them your credit card. So there's not going to be any kind of automatic charge just for checking out the service. I urge you to do it. If you have any reason to have a website or um, an online store or an online portfolio, really any web presence you need, Squarespace is a great solution for you. They have templates. They have what you see is what you get, drag and drop style um, editing, so you don't need to do any know any kind of uh, HTML programming or anything. It's just so simple. They have uh, apps to make um, updating your website from from the from mobile 
easy. They have uh, just plug and play storefront stuff. So if you want to charge people for anything or sell anything on your website, you can make that happen very, very quickly and very, very easily. Uh, it's it's awesome. It's so easy to use. It's great. And plus, because you listen to our show, we're going to give you 10% off your first purchase, which is pretty great. So if you go to squarespace.com slash DLC and use the promo code Jeff sent me, all one word, J-E-F-F-S-E-N-T-M-E. You'll get 10% off your first purchase. Also, Squarespace will know that you heard it here, and that will help us out a lot. So if you have any reason to build a website, really check out squarespace.com by going to squarespace.com slash DLC. If you decide you like the service, check it out for free without even having to put your credit card in. If you like it, use that promo code at, Jeff, at checkout. Jeff sent me, and you'll get 10% off. It's pretty great. I also, I sent out, uh, direct mailers and I've been flyering cars in my neighborhood with the same uh, Jeff sent me promo. So maybe they didn't hear it here. If you got mm. one of my direct mailers, you know, shout out to the postal service for the band for giving me the idea <laughs> to send that. And Nice. Um, yeah. Layers. I love that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Let's talk about some games, guys. Let's go to the playlist. Jason, what is on your playlist this week? Uh, what I've been playing lately is way too much Super Mario Maker. Uh, it's I don't know why I, I put myself through that torture of playing <laughs> people's levels. That so just, wait, so is that how you do it? You play other people's levels, or are you making levels yourself? I I sucked at making levels on Little Big Planet, so I'm not even going to try to do that on Super Mario Maker. Even though it's pretty it's pretty intuitive. But I like the challenge of playing other people's stuff. And it's even crazier when you play like global and there's a bunch of Japanese users who everything is in Japanese. And I have no idea what, what the level even means or, or what the purpose of the level is. I jump in head first and then like five seconds in, I'm like, why did I do this? But it's no, it's a really fun game. And obviously, you know, everybody has to be nostalgic for some point on Mario yeah, and Super Mario World is one of my favorite games ever. So I just I don't know. Like I like playing it, and obviously they've done a really good job of kind of updating the original Mario and then also Super Mario World, but uh, and Super Mario Three. Uh, do you think? Yeah. That, do you think that Mario Maker makes any future two D Mario redundant? Like, is there any reason to ever make another two D Mario game? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think what they could just con- consistently do is just add pieces into this game, uh, into that, into those like platforms or the, those levels, and you could just make whatever the whatever the heck you want. So It'd be pretty amazing if they actually added like a new Mario suit that has never appeared in any of the games before. That would be like, cool to add it to Mario Maker <clears throat> first and see what people do with it. That would be that would be wild. Just make things that are more masochistic because. <laughs> Why am I doing this to myself? No, but a lot of the levels, like some people recreate, some some guys have recreated pretty much all of the first part of Super Mario 3. And that to me is like, oh my gosh, I need to play this. This is so yeah. much fun. But uh, other than that, uh, a lot of FIFA, uh, I play that a lot. And then that's another game that, you know, can frustrate you to no end uh, just because <laughs> of the things that can happen in it. Are and you then playing the last... multiplayer or, or against the... Against you know in a sort of a um, season scenario, I have a season. I have a season that I've been running for a couple of years in game. So I'm just going to keep doing it um, until I get bored with that one and then start another one again. But I play a lot of co-op with, with a couple of my buddies. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll go online and do two v two, and cool. uh, yeah, we're just we're trying to. I think we're in like division three, 
uh, and every time that we get close to Division Two, we we like we make it into Division Two and then get slaughtered in our first game, <laughs> and then get relegated back to Division Three. So it's Do just you, this. Are you a a soccer fan in real life, or is it yes. just FIFA? Yeah, no, I'm a soccer fan in real life. I play indoor with a bunch of my buddies. Uh, um, yeah, so that's yeah, cool. you definitely got into it. But uh, then the last part is Rising Thunder. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but is it a tank it, game? No, it is a fighting game. Ah, I think uh, I think there was a Rising Thunder tank game in like the I think 80s. so. Yeah, yeah, so like somewhere in the nineties. I think I feel like it was a PS one game. Yeah, I feel like I've seen the cover to it someplace. But Rising Thunder is a PC only um, fighting game that's in alpha right now. It's made by Seth Killian and a couple of the guys, just really well known names in the fighting game community, more so on the Street Fighter side. And it's PC based, and you don't have to do any like special movements. It's not like quarter quarter rotations or counterclockwise rotations or whatever. It's all managing like cooldowns on your abilities in <clears throat> Street Fighter like combinations. So it's on the keyboard. So you use the WASD to move, and then like J JKL and then UIO to do special moves. And it's really the art style is really cool. It's like cool music in the game. They're constantly updating it, and you can just go sign up to get in the alpha, and it's free. Oh, and it, it will. I think it's supposed to be a free to play fighter as well. Hmm. Uh, whenever it actually launches, but it's tons of fun. Um, the people in the community are really helpful. Uh, they're not just gonna they're gonna beat you down, and they're gonna <laughs> tell you why they did it afterwards so you can improve yourself. But uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. It's a fun little game, and sometimes I just like going on there and goofing around on the trainer, uh, trying to maximize my potential and then going and get slaughtered uh, by random Joe uh, on the on the actual matchmaking. But, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, I'm checking it out now. Um, it looks really, really cool. I love the idea of handling a fighting game like this. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really seems like it. I mean, I kind of feel like that's how they're going to be handling the next Street Fighter in a lot of ways, making it free yeah. to play. And, um, but this, uh, this looks really cool. I'm going to have to check it out myself. Rising Thunder. Again, is uh, RisingThunder.com is where you can find it. Um, Awesome. Christian, how about you? What's on your playlist? I have been playing more Oxenfree, which I don't really want to talk about too in depth still because I do feel like it's an experience that is worth playing. And also, while I agree from last week, there aren't like huge spoilers in terms of something that will maybe ruin the game for you per se. I do think it... The way it plays out is interesting, and I think it's nice to have it uncovered for yourself. Uh, before last week's show, we were provided with codes, and I was playing it on the PC. I actually purchased it on Xbox One. I just enjoy couch playing more than sitting at my PC and playing the way my setup is. So I think that should say something about how I enjoy the game, is that I had the game and then spent my own money on the game. <laughs> Again, have you spent more time with it, Jeff? I have, yeah. I still really like it. I think it's charming. It's really not for everybody. Um, I understand the pace could probably be um, trying for some some people. I happen to like it. I think it's a it's a really interesting take on that genre. I like the characters. I think some of the voice acting is a little uneven. Um, there are a, a couple of actors I'm like, Ooh, I really wish they'd cast somebody else or just done a different take on that kind of performance. Um, and you have to spend a lot of time with those voice actors. I mean, this is a game that is told primarily almost as an audio play, like a, yeah. you know, like a, 
a stage play or something in your ear, like a radio play is what I was looking for. Um, <laughs> and uh, so you, you, it really rises and falls on that. And I think for the most part, the performances are great. And I really enjoy the characters and I like the way it addresses character and lets you have these subtle little influences into how the behaviors are, you know, your, your, your dialogue options are really interesting for the most part. Um, so I like it a lot. I, I was just on the Gamers with Jobs podcast last night talking to uh, Sean about it and, and he, I don't think he really liked it very much, but um, I, so I understand how people might find it a little slow or a little trying, but for me, I, I'm charmed by the whole thing. And I think when the, when the crazy stuff really starts happening, it, it's pretty interesting and, and fun. Does yeah, it play a- like uh, uh, Kentucky Route Zero? Uh, a, a little. I didn't really play much of that. Did you play that game, Christian? The first is that uh, how many episodes are out? I played the first. Four, I think episode. Okay. Um, it's not dissimilar, but it's not similar in the sense that you technically don't have to do anything in Oxen Free. Uh. <laughs> I mean, you move your character and to move it to new new places, but it's it's um. It's tough because the other game I've been playing is the console version of Gone Home. And so I would say that that too is similar and that it is a narrative game where the game mm-hmm. is narrative and not anything else. I don't know if I would say that it is the same. Yeah. Um, but yes, in that genre for sure. Certainly in that genre where the story is what keeps you playing and not um, an intrigue in terms of mystery where Kentucky Route Zero I think had that as well where it was like this, um, at least what I played of it. You know, uh, you want to see how the story unfolds and what is around the next corner. And Gone Home does that too, where that's the thing that's pulling you forward instead of get this collectible or take down this bad guy. It's it's oh, intrigue, okay. right? Like what's around the corner. Is it only for Xbox? It's Xbox and PC oh, okay, uh, cool. and Mac, I believe. But I it's beautiful. It I've also bought the soundtrack. I, I think the game is best played with headphones on. You're, still, you're talking about Gone Home now. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm back to Oxen Free. Okay. I, I purchased the soundtrack. And I worked out with the soundtrack in my headphones yesterday. I think it's beautiful and um, and and rich. And the the composer or the artist, the individual, also worked on Galaxy and has done a lot of other great scores as well for video games. And I don't know. I guess I would agree with you, Jeff, that some of the voice acting in Oxen Free is uneven, but none of it has become grating for me yet. But maybe that's just because I'm listening to the music. <laughs> I just yeah, don't know no, how certain no. people talk. I also think. Yeah one of the characters is intentionally grading. So I don't know if I'm judging them by their voice acting as much as I am by, I would hate that kid if that was a real kid. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And also, you know, I'm a voice actor, so I, I kind constantly, I'm thinking about how I would have performed that line. So that's a little unfair too. Um, But yes, I think you're right. And none of them are particularly grading, but, um, and one character, as you said, is supposed to annoy you, which, which is effective. But, um, I I overall am very positive about the game. I I just love that it exists. I just think it's such a different, unique, interesting novel idea. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's like, it's like when you watch a a Vince Vaughn, uh, John Favreau movie and you hate Vince Vaughn's character and you're like, yeah, you're supposed to. (laughs) Right. That's, that's, that's what he is. Then when you watch um, True Detective season two and you hate his character, it's like, that's the whole season's fault, not his. Um, the one of the game. things that Sean brought up to me about the game that, that I have to agree with as being uh, a flaw is that the game gives you a huge amount of freedom, but it doesn't really reward you for exercising it. it. It allows you to go back to all these different locations that you've been to. But when you do, it just takes forever and there's nothing there. 
and no one talks. <laughs> it's like oh, you're not uh, really yeah. su- you're not really supposed to do that. So it doesn't there's nothing there. And it's like, well, if I'm not if if that's the case, just don't let me go back there, you know? Just just cordon it off for some reason because I don't want to waste my time doing something that's I'm not supposed to do anyway. So why even have the freedom, you know? Yeah, no, that, yeah, that's an oxen free. You can keep traversing, but yeah, it has yet to pay off for me as well. Maybe it's like a book you can go back and I don't know. I guess that's not quite right because the dialogue doesn't replay. You don't have exactly. the, the interaction yeah. again. Um, and then the other game, I, I received a code for this. I, I say that I buy 99% of the games that I talk about on the show. This game, Gone Home Console Edition, I received a, a code for. Did, did you play this when it was on PC? I never did. Oh, yeah, I, I did. I, I liked it very much. I really, part of me really loves it, but part of me as a, um, I don't know, I feel like I have this problem a lot with Grand Theft Auto 2, like the disconnect between the game and the engrossing story and, and when you actually put yourself in that character, where like, you know, the the basic premise of the game, and I, I'll try not to spoil anything as it's just now hitting consoles, is you're coming home to, a, your family's moved to a new house and you come home from Europe and no one's there or whatever. Um, if I did that, I would not do what my what I have my character do in this game at all. Like I know it's in <laughs> 1995 and I can't like text my mom or whatever, but at no point would I just walk into my empty house and be like, well, and part of it is me as the player too, right? Where I would never walk into my empty house and be like, well, let me open this hallway closet. Let me check this box. Let me check this box. Let me check this box. Let me pick up this board well, game. Well, it let me gives you board kind of, around. it gives you kind of reasons to do that. You know, it kind of gives you a reason to search the house and be thorough. Um, I, I don't know. I, it's interesting that you're playing it sort of post hype for the game. Cause I played it right when it came out and didn't know anything about it. And it, it was, it was sort of just happening as I was playing it and I didn't have any expectations for it. So I think maybe it landed on me in a slightly different way than perhaps it landed on you. Well, I mean, I think the voice acting is, is terrific when you pick up, you know, voice memos along the way, which is also weird because everything else in that game you pick up except for those, they just start playing as you get to certain points in the in the house which is again it's like a disconnect because the game is great i really enjoy it and i think i recommend people play it if they haven't played it on pc before um and i really am enjoying the experience but it is like because everything else is so engrossing and you get into the story and it's creepy in the right ways where you're on the edge of your seat even though you don't need to be because a zombie is not going to come around the corner and, and kill you or whatever but then there's just like those little things that pop up where you're like Oh man, I'm really I am exploring this house. I am finding all of this stuff. Hi, it's my diary again. I'm like, wait, did I did I did I did I do that? Did I find something? Oh no, it just starts. It's so it's like that that disconnect, but at the same time I know why it's like that because it helps the narrative happen in an order that makes sense versus you could maybe miss something otherwise and part of that story wouldn't unfold for you. Um right. so it, it I I recommend playing it, but I'm also deep in two of these narrative games. Um, so I don't know. Apples and oranges, maybe. Yeah. Uh, I want to bring up something with, with you, Jason, uh, because I saw you interacting on the chat just now uh, talking about uh, that dragon cancer. And you said you, you'll buy, you bought it, but you're not going to play it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I want to support, even though there's like a lot of stuff going around that game where people are talking about being a money grab or whatever it is. But I mean, I understand from the simple point of that family trying to find ways to cope, and this is one of their ways to do it, cool. I bought the game. I want to support that. But I'm never going to play it because I don't want to experience 
I mean, everybody in their life has some kind of form of loss, um, some situation or something you can uh, you can uh, correlate that to. And maybe I just don't want a reminder of that. I don't need the yeah. reminder of those things. And plus, I have a young son, so mm-hmm. he's he'll be three in a week. And like, I just you know, there's so many other things I have to worry about in my life. I don't I don't need to sit there and sob like a like an idiot in front of my computer and then think about that for the remaining of the week. Like, I just. I just feel like it's important to support it. Like I'm really big on charities too. So mm-hmm. do you do you, know, you do that with film as well for a movie like Spotlight or Twelve Years a Slave or whatever you're you know you think is important but also hits an emotional nerve? Will you avoid watching those that type of media as well? No, I, I guess not. So I, maybe I'm a hypocrite on that. But yeah, like a lot of war movies or a lot of things that are more modern, you know they 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 hit a tone. That is hard for me at times to re-experience some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I don't. I guess I don't do that with film. Yeah, I, I it's will. interesting. You know, there's there's a whole list of movies. You know, Schindler's List and uh, Boys Don't Cry and The Diving Bell and the Butterfly and you know, even this year, Room is, is falls in that category no. of like movies that there's never going to be a time where I feel like watching that. Yeah, but <laughs> after I've watched it, I'm so glad I did. You know, it's like. And and I think that it's probably even more difficult with a video game that tries to do that because you have to be an active participant. Yeah. And yeah. so it's 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 asking, you know, I think about movies and it's hard for me to press play on that Blu-ray player to start that movie. That's the biggest hump is like to just say, okay, here we go. I'm going to do it. And what the game is asking you to do is press play over and over and over again because yeah. I'm constantly having to interact and be a, a, an active participant in that process. And it's just... I'm right there with you, Jason. Like I, I really like that that game exists. I just don't really want to put myself through it. I mean, now we have it on our. I have it in my Steam library, like the other 180 games that I'll probably never play. But you know, it's it's one of those things. I feel like at some point, I know it's it's in the back of my mind. I know it exists. I have it. At some point, I I probably will experience it. But maybe when it's not directly correlated to where I am in my life. Maybe if I get a few years outside of that, or or whenever, uh, I'll feel better about it. But I don't know. Like, I don't know of another game that has that same kind of experience. That has that, like, man, what did I just, what did I just do? You yeah. know, or how did I, why, why am I here? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I think is a testament to the medium, though. I mean, For I think sure, everything yeah. that we just said. Uh, is why video games are so important, and whether or not it's that dragon cancer or. You know, something else that strikes a chord with you where there were moments in Metal Gear Solid 4 that for some people really press those right buttons. And I think that's uh, it's pretty amazing that uh, what games can do. Yeah. Um, so on my playlist, uh, I've been playing a game called Tharsis. Have you guys heard about this game? I have not. No, I have not. So Tharsis is a game by Zach Gage, uh, who is a designer that I find very, very interesting. He has developed a bunch of iOS games, including one that really got its hooks into me a few years ago called Spell Tower. Uh, he also has developed board games, um, including one called um, Guts of Glory, which is a game about what you can st- stuff down your gullet, like what you can eat. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty, pretty clever idea. Uh, this game, Tharsis, is basically a board game as a video game. So, of course, you know, seems like it's right up my alley. And the idea is that you are on a what is it, eight-week or ten-week mission to Mars on a uh, a spaceship headed to Mars, and you have a crew of people on the ship, 
and then things start going wrong. And every round, uh, every week uh, on your journey to Mars, stuff goes horribly, horribly wrong <laughs> constantly. Uh, and the game is uh, is literally about rolling dice. You are rolling virtual dice uh, and applying those dice rolls to certain actions that you can take uh, to mitigate all of the problems that are happening to your ship. So you can spend those dice on research projects. You can spend those dice uh, to actually repair the ship. You can spend those dice in a whole variety of ways uh, to try to mitigate the problems that are happening to you on your trip to Mars. It's a lot like uh, board games like um, uh, Alien Frontiers or Kingsburg, where you're rolling dice and you're looking at the values on those dice and deciding how you're going to apply them in certain ways. Um, Gage himself uh, notes uh, influenced by um, King of Tokyo and King of New York, which are games that I've talked about a lot on the show in the tabletop time segment. And you do have the option like Yahtzee and and like those games to re-roll some of your dice. But certain values of the dice also are, will cause really catastrophic, horrible things to happen. Um, And I really, really want to love this game. Uh, It is made for me. I think that the the look of it is so intriguing and so cool, and it, it is a board game. It, it has all the the cool mechanics that I love, uh, the cool decision making process of a board game. It just tonally is such a put off to me. <laughs> it's just so sad because I think the mechanics are very strong and very compelling and very cool. It's just not a game. It's funny that we talk about it after just having talked about. Um, games that are have a barrier to entry just because of how they make you feel, you know, like that dragon cancer and and these films that we're talking about. It, it, similarly, this this game is all about just preventing catastrophe all the time. And it as such, I'm just not very compelled to keep playing it. It's just beating me down over and over. I'm reminded of um, the experience I had playing Darkest Dungeon, which is a game I loved for the first few hours of it. And I think the mechanics of Darkest Dungeon are so brilliant and so cool, and I want to keep playing it. But after a while, it just makes me feel terrible because so much bad stuff is happening to my characters. So it's just dour and morose and beating me down over and over and over again. And that's how Tharsis is as well. All of my crew members, like they can die and then you can eat them because <laughs> that'll, that'll like give you, it'll give you more dice. Food equals dice in this game. So you have a certain amount of food every turn that you can apply to people and get, get their dice pool replenished. But if members of your team die and you don't have any food, you can eat them. And then you're, you turn into cannibals and it's just like, it's dark, man. And all of the, all of the uh, crew members, little, you get little portraits of them constantly to, you know, and they have names and all of their portraits, they look so worried and stressed out. And they, of course they have stress levels like, like in darkest dungeon. Uh, and it just makes me feel bad. Like I don't enjoy it because it, it's a lot like what I've talked about with board games and cooperative board games in particular. So many cooperative board games are just having you mitigate bad things happening or staving off terrible things for as long as possible. And that's what this game is. is there's nothing I'm doing to, to be a positive force. There's nothing I'm striving for. There's just things I'm trying to prevent. 
And so I don't enjoy playing it as much as I like the mechanics involved. It's a bummer. It sounds like the most brutal game wrapped in a very friendly wrapper of rolling dice. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like, if well, you were cool. actually doing that, like a third person action game or I don't know, some other uh, style of game. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, again, it's called Tharsis. Uh, some of the people in the chat room are asking what it's called. It's called Tharsis. It's on Steam. It's only 10 bucks right now. I think it's on 30% off this week. Um, it's worth checking out. I mean, there is definitely this entire genre right now it's very in vogue right now to be these very brutally difficult beat you down type games these these roguelikes that test your endurance and i'm just not drawn to that i i i enjoy challenge you know i I got really into dark souls and demon souls those types of games but at least with those games like you're striving for something you're striving to beat that boss you're striving to get to that new area you're striving to find that new cool thing or get to that undiscovered area a lot of these games i'm not striving to do anything i'm just trying to not die i mean literally tharsis is about how long can you not die and it for me that's just not boy in an rpg yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and i love the mechanics the thing that i love most about tharsis to be honest with you is that i hope it is the beginning of people experimenting with making board games on a computer because what we've had so far and and uh, i'm not complaining i like this but what we've had so far is games that already exist on a board have been translated to iOS or to PC or whatever. And those are great. You know, I, I play a lot of those on my, on my iPad. I really enjoy the fact that I can play Lahav or ticket to ride or whatever on my, on my iPad. That's great. But the thing that's so cool about Tharsis is this game would be kind of impossible or at least very, very difficult on a board. So it's, it's making a board game that would be not possible because of the level of complexity, the level of uh, detail, the the number of components that you would have to have sprawled across your table, like the fact that there are you know these a number of these chambers in your ship, like theoretically, if you had it on a board, it would each chamber would have to be its own you know section of a board or whatever. It feels like I I love the idea of taking board game concepts and making them so detailed and so complex that you have to do it on a computer i think that's a really cool starting point for uh, a a whole number of games that that i hope follow in this game's footsteps well we're seeing that too with like we talked about it before with subterfuge which is it a you know is it a video game is it a board game played with video game (laughs) devices and i think we are going to see more and more of that and more stuff even hearthstone you know i think we'll see even more games that can't be played on a tabletop but that all for all intents and purposes are a tabletop game and i think that'll just expand access to them because you'll have the instruction book with you where like xcom there was a board and you use the instruction book on your tablet like if you you have everything and your people are used to interacting with their phone or their device or whatever so even something that might seem complex isn't just because they're essentially doing motions on a thing that they've done a million times before which is uh gonna be cool yeah yeah, I, I'm. I'm. It makes me sad that I feel like I'm not recommending the game because it, it is a really cool concept, and it's it proves yet again that it's so fun to roll dice. I think just the act of rolling <laughs> dice is really fun, even virtual dice. Well, Vegas has a game for you then. Well, you know, if you if you look at the Steam page for Tharsis, um, Zach Gage does a really cool video about sort of his 
the inception point for how this game came into being and his sort of uh, thought process in designing it. And one of the things he references heavily is craps. He's like, yeah, you know, I realized what, what makes craps compelling is that there's money on the line. And he's like, well, how could I do that in a video game? Well, the lives of your crew are on the line every turn. So, <laughs> you know, and I think, I think that's an interesting concept for me. It's just, it's just so rough that it's like, I, I, I you know, you, you're constantly just dealing with bad to worse to horrible to catastrophic. Like that's the progression of the game. And that's just not fun. Like I, I, I like feeling that I'm doing something, I'm pushing something forward, I'm striving for something instead of just mitigating bad things. But Well, I'm going to interject then and tell you to stop playing that and save your money for your next round of this game, and Dan Trachtenberg and I are going to get you on the Disney Infinity Money Waster train, and uh, you cannot have fun <laughs> collecting. Oh, is Dan playing that? Oh, my. Dan, yeah, we just tweet back and forth about our sick addiction. It's like usually late at yeah. night, he'll be like, God, Hulkbuster, not sure I like it. But I love him. <laughs> Dan's got that Cloverfield money now. He, you know, he can, he's fine. Right. <laughs> but you, you I'm worried about, Christian. <laughs> well, truth be told, um, I've got that Cloverfield money too, because while Dan was out making Cloverfield, I robbed him. <laughs> oh, wow, that's, that's good. <laughs> of all of his Disney Infinity figures that I'm now selling on eBay, check it out at dansoldfigures.com. <laughs> um. Let's uh let's let's move on to actually I know that it sounded like we were talking about board games but we have an actual board game segment uh because I've already been preemptively chastised in the in the chat room about talking about Heroes of the Storm which I've played a just a disgusting amount of this week. Um I really have played a you, disgusting you amount. You got of angry. I did. I got real angry. <laughs> you were you were you became even angrier than, than what I normally do where you're tweeting at businesses and it was repeated tweets out of business. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed, okay, seeing, Jason, let I me enjoyed seeing Jerk Jeff online. I'm going to throw this out at you because you're a community <laughs> manager. You deal with community all the time and I'm sure you're just going to say like, oh yeah, this is bad. But <laughs> here's what happened. I wasn't even going to bring this up. Christian's making me, everybody in the chat who's like, oh my God, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Ready? I'm going to tell the story real quick. Um, so rank playing ranked, here's the storm ranked mode is, I, I think, you, you know, you can't just jump in. Anybody can't just jump in. You have to be a certain level to jump into ranked. I think ranked asks of you to care a little bit about what's going on. Okay. So, and there's quick match, which is, you know, do whatever you want in quick match, but ranked, I feel like people should at least attempt to win. So here's the thing. You get paired up five people teams. The most people you can queue into quick or into uh, ranked mode in is two. So you're going to be playing with at minimum three strangers at maximum four strangers, which is usually how I do it. So we jump into a game uh, of ranked and uh, this one guy is already silenced. Now silencing is the only punitive act that blizzard does. If you are reported, if enough people report you as being a, you know, abusive chatter, they will silence your account. So you are not able to chat anymore. Right? So this guy started our game with a little, muted symbol on him so we know that he had been silenced by blizzard so we already knew this was a problem <clears throat> child right <laughs> so we start the game and of course he just sits in the base and doesn't leave every everybody else is leaving doing doing stuff proactively playing the game he just sits in the base and starts pinging the map pinging the map is the only thing you can do as a silenced player to communicate and he's just spamming the ping bing, 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 just being as annoying as possible right so already bad news, but he's not moving. He's just staying in the base. So basically we're playing four on five because we have one player who's just not participating intentionally. So 
luckily, the game mechanism is such that it drops people who do not participate for a long time. If you're AFK and you left your team out to dry, unfortunately, it happens far too often and it takes far too long, in my opinion. But at a certain point, it will drop that player and replace them with an AI bot. So it did that. Huzzah! Finally, okay, you know what? We're at a disadvantage because we're playing with an AI bot who's never going to be as good as a, you know, actual human. But at least we don't have this guy not participating at all. So huzzah for that, finally. But the game also allows you, if you've been dropped for inactivity, to rejoin the game. So this guy very quickly rejoins the game and realizes <laughs> that, oh, I can't just sit there and not do anything because the game will drop me. So now what does he do? He just runs toward the enemy without attacking and commits suicide over and over and over. So he's up to 12, 13, 14 deaths, just committing suicide, just starting at the back of the base and running forward, not doing anything, just running into the enemy's territory to die. So, of course, we lose this ranked match and we lose the same number of points in our ranking as we would if we had all been competing. The game doesn't recognize the fact that this idiot is behaving this way and ruining the game for all of us. So, of course, I'm furious. This is, like, unacceptable behavior for me. It sucks, and that's why I started tweeting at Here's the Storm's Twitter account and their community manager to try to get some kind of acknowledgement. I know that nothing's going to happen, but there's got to be some kind of acknowledgement that you guys need to mitigate the the possibility of that happening. Like the game either has to be smart enough to recognize it or allow us some kind of power to not just report. You can, you know, report on this guy. They have a whole number of different flags to report him. One of which is intentionally dying. But if everybody on our team reports somebody, we should have the ability to boot him out of our team. There has to be some kind of, action that we can take and not just have to sit and endure it because if we dropped out of the game if you just say well screw this we can't win i'm leaving you get penalized you get dropped down two ranks and you can't play in ranked mode uh, until you've played a few quick matches so what was the question for jason (laughs) help me (laughs) uh first of all uh get good no i'm kidding um no i understand your frustration uh because that happens in so many other types of games like that's, I think sometimes people don't realize that the stipulation of playing in a multiplayer match is you're playing with the rest of humanity and how people somehow perceive the rest of humanity to be good people who always want to help you and always want to be there to do the right thing at the right moment is, is slightly mind boggling. But, uh, the, the, the flip side of the whole, like, Oh, we'll just vote to ban it or vote to kick him. I can't tell you how many times in other games people abuse that as well. They're just like, Oh, yeah. kick. Like, for example, um, back in the day, SOCOM Confrontation. That community is awesome. It can also be very caustic. Uh, You'll get into a match, and because you weren't the acquired level, you weren't the right level, or you didn't have the right kind of experience, they just just kick you. Like, oh, this guy's not good enough. Get him out of here. And that... That that's the other side of that. I mean, right. some games don't allow you to do that on the full full end. But I guess to answer your question, look, it's okay to be frustrated. I mean, nothing in the game. There's going to be plenty of times you're going to play the game, and it's never going to be perfect. You're never going to get the perfect situation, and when you do, you cherish that. But then it's hard to convince people that you're not going to get that forever. Like it, there's going to be times. For example, you'll probably be playing Division here in a few months, and 
and somebody could just completely do something that could just be a blue Falcon, which is another term for buddy effort. And, mm-hmm. you know, somebody can end up doing that, and that's just the way it goes. Like, same thing at Dead Star. One of the one of the things we fight against or have a problem with is when you first start the match, like the initial rush to go capture. Like any, any domination game type, you're going out there, capture points, capture the points. Because if you don't, the other team's going to take them, and then they're going to get ahead of you. And then trying to catch up, you're already at a disadvantage. And so many times you get into a match, and everybody's like, oh, derp, and they just want to fly around inside of your base. Yeah. So it's it's hard. Like you don't want to be angry at those people because they may just not know, and you have no idea who's in the other end of that game. On uh, my my favorite one is though when they have their mic on and I'm telling them what to do, and I can hear myself coming through their mic, but they just completely ignore me. I'm just like, <laughs> come on, dude, like yeah. help help a brother out here. But no, really, I mean, in those situations, like if somebody came to me and like, man, you got to fix this. I'm like, all right, we're gonna look into it, but we're never gonna do something off. The whim, not saying that your opinion is not important, but we're not going to just knee-jerk into a situation to try to fix a problem that we may not have an immediate answer to. Because maybe they don't have an immediate answer. So they don't want to cause more problems. Yeah, I I totally get you. And I, I, you know, I anticipate that being a thing, too. It's like, all you need is four votes to kick the fifth dude. Let's just always kick him. (laughs) You know, I think that's that's problematic, certainly. But I, I think... Ideally, and I know this is very, very difficult to implement, but ideally what happens is the game itself can recognize that behavior. Like, you know, if we get to a point where the game itself can recognize that that person is playing in a way that is actively, you know, BFing you. I noticed you went for the tree to the north. (laughs) Your name dictates that you should be going for the main hub to the south. (laughs) You've been banned from this game. And I'm also sleeping with your wife. <laughs> no! <laughs> My favorite part of that joke is you trying to come up with the correct terms for, for all the... Well, I thought. wanted to leave it vague, and <laughs> yeah, it's since great. I don't understand what you do in Heroes except for get angry. Uh, <laughs> I do get angry a lot. There's some joy. It's surrounded by... Uh, dear rage. community, can someone find video of Jeff at a computer and then... Put it through so he becomes Lou Frigno from the Hulk, and then he's playing Here's of the Storm, and it's dumb. You know what I'm saying? Does someone make that Dude, gift for me, and I'll be I, forever You grateful. know, I often ask myself why I – there are times I'm like, why do I even play this game? But I love it so much. I love it so much that when it hurts me, I'm like, oh, I'll stick with you. Did anyway. I ever tell you my IRL story of what you experienced? It was like a couple years ago. I first moved to L.A. playing pickup basketball. Did I tell you this, Jeff? Uh, I don't know. So it's quick. It's a bunch of comics. They play pickup basketball often. It used to be Tuesdays. I haven't gone for a while because now I have two kids and don't do things. Um, we were playing. This other guy showed up who, like, some people maybe knew anyway. He gets into a game. We're playing five on five full court. Real basketball. It's fun. And the dude, every time he gets the ball, uh, he has some skills. He'd get a steal or a rebound or at first we would pass to him. He would take it from wherever he was on the court. He would just shoot. Like, literally wherever he was on the court, he would shoot. And he just thought it was fun. And while these are pickup games, like... We're serious. You know, we're having a good yeah. time. There's also you want, actual, you want to win. Right. There's actual rec league of comics to that play. And this is practice, whatever. And one of the guys on my team was like, dude, you, you got to get out of here. You can't play. What are you doing? And he was like, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm just, you know, I'm just being silly. This is comics basketball or whatever. <laughs> like real life troll. <laughs> like, OK, fine. He does it again. The guy's like, all right, you got to get out of here. Everybody on our team, like, you know, pushes him out or whatever. He's like, fine, fine, fine. I'm leaving. Dude leaves, comes back around like an hour later, and cold cocks the guy 
like runs into the court and hits a guy uh, that comedy, told him to right? leave for the first time. Anyway, the cops showed up. It was crazy. But this isn't just – it's worse online, but this dude was in real life wow. trolling – a pickup game. So <laughs> if it was a if it was a comedian on comedian, you would at least think he would hit him with a chicken or something. Right. Hit him well, with a rubber chicken. <laughs> yeah, but, rubber yeah. chickens. That's that's my act actually. So if you haven't listened to my album, <laughs> he came back and shot him in the face with some seltzer water. It was uh, <laughs> the no, worst was thing a, a comic can do. It was actually a, the way a real comic would fight, and it's a uh, you know a blind punch because confrontation <laughs> is scary. But it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, all right. I know we didn't intend to spend time on that, and I uh, hope it was at least a little entertaining for people. My my pain can be fun. But uh, I don't want to uh, miss out on some very important tabletop time. Right now. Jason, uh, you listed having played Quelf. Yes. Which sounds like a almost like a dirty game, but it isn't. <laughs> no, it is not. It's it's there is no I mean, for people who are looking for a reason to compete, the objective is to get to point get from point A to point B the fastest. But most of the time it is basically just making a complete fool of yourself by doing random things and like, it's all card-based, so, like, you, you jump to a point, and you pick up a card, and they're all color-coordinated, and each one of those is, like, a different type of um, objective. Or, so, some of them are, like, if you're, for the remainder of a game, anytime somebody says a certain word, you have to yell out a phrase. And sometimes it's just, like, a normal way, or you have to yell it in, like, an accent, or just basically making a fool of yourself. So it leads to the, what it leads to is uncontrollable laughter, and you would mm-hmm. never end up finishing the game because you just end up like all having massive abdominal cramps because you've laughed this entire time. And then suddenly, you know, you're three hours in. It's like, oh, well, we better go home. So, right. yeah, it's, yeah, I, mean, I think, go sorry. Ahead. No, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I, the, the, I think the, there's a whole genre of uh, party games that are just really just social lubricant, right? They're just, yep. like uh, Cards Against Humanity is another example of that. It's it's not even about the rules of the game. It's just to get us all to do something silly and be with each other and and make excuses for laughter. Um, and I'm all, I'm all for that. I think that's great. <laughs> it's definitely for the type of person like you know. It doesn't work for people who don't have any like they're like overly socially awkward or have no ability to laugh at anything. But you get like one or two, you know, people who like to ham it up, then it's a game on because then they go out of their way to make everything that they do even that much more funny. And you just end up laughing the whole time, which is that my wife and I, we most of the games that we play that are board games are like that because like we just try to be, you know, we will host people a lot and we'll always be like, do you guys like board games? They're like, yeah. yeah, sure, okay, I guess. We're like, okay, and we're, like, we're going to shove this down your throat. You're going to like it. But uh, eventually... you just described me with all my friends. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's that's most yeah. of the board games that I know. I guess that's great, um, Christian. You are on a continuing quest to uh, board game with your with your children, right? Is this is this another example of you doing that? Well, it is. Boggle Jr. is the game that we spent time with, and it's, you know, gifts that are given to my oldest daughter. And I like edutainment games, and she really likes um, Zingo. It's bingo with a zing. Uh, (laughs) 
Muggle Junior. We really need to get a we really need to get a Zingo sponsorship on this show. For real, <laughs> the amount of the amount of Zingo <laughs> drops we give. I need some of that Zingo money, man. Sweet um, Zingo money. The number of people that tweeted back at me actually after last week's episode that pictures of Zingo. Uh, it was pretty funny, but this is Boggle Jr. This game is not good. It's, um, I like the idea of it. You have a card, either three letter or four letter, and there's two different ways you can play. One is you just kind of, you see the word. So like the word is ball and it's a picture of a ball on the card and then it has B-A-L-L. And then the, the child, you know, you have dice that have letters on them and then they find the correct letter on the die and match it up and spell the word when they can see it, when they become a little more advanced and smarter. The, you cover the spelling of the words so you just see the picture and then you have to spell it yourself so it's teaching spelling the problem with the game I like that aspect the problem of the, with the game is I don't know how many die there are um, but some of the characters some of the letter characters some of the letters are on multiple die but not all of them so we've had numerous instances where Estelle who really wants to like the game she gets frustrated because let's say she's spelling ball she has uh, a B and an L and an L up there, but the A, the A is only on one dice. And that dice also has a B on it. So she has, she's using that B to spell ball, and but she doesn't know that she needs a different die also has a B on it. Mm. And so you replace that B with that B and then put the A in there. So I feel like the design of the game, the way they laid out the letters and the words they're asking you to spell for a three-year-old creates more frustration than it does anything else. And she's got several times said, I guess I can't spell this one. And then get sad and that stinks because <laughs> hmm. a game that should be teaching spelling i don't think should discourage kids from being able to find find the dice so i would not recommend boggle jr it's interesting i, I love boggle the actual game of boggle it seems so different from it's just uh you know really only related in name just to try to get a little rub from a very popular and known quantity it doesn't seem like it has much boggle to do with it no and then the dice are you know they're like the little letters in the but you shake in the shaker yeah. like the, the pieces look the same but yes it's not uh so only in the sense that you're teaching your kids how to spell three and four letter words i guess right maybe yeah. is the overlap but yeah it's not that i love me some boggle though i go to toe to toe with any boggle good. player Oof. yeah i know your wife yeah she's i i've heard tale of the, the boggle <laughs> skills <laughs> Um, I want to talk a little bit about, real quick, uh, I finally got a chance to play Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective, which uh, faithful listeners of the show will know that Zav D'Amatos brought up many moons ago and uh, got me so excited that I waited till it went on sale on Amazon and bought. Um, and uh, this is a game about solving crimes. You are playing um, sort of assistance to Sherlock Holmes. He, it's weird, he has already solved the crimes and you are trying to solve them as efficiently as he did. So the idea is that uh, you find out the scenario. The game comes with, I think, 10 different cases. And you read a, a lengthy sort of um, narrative piece. It's really written like a Sherlock Holmes novel. Uh, it's a, a lengthy piece. You read it. It gives you information. It sets up the, the crime that happened and the mystery. And then you have an, a map of London, the day's newspaper which is written out as if it was a real newspaper back in the, you know, 19th century. And uh, you have a, a directory, a phone directory that lists everybody who lives in London and all the businesses, and you start following clues. So you, if, you know, you, based on what you think you are suspicious of or whatever from the, reading the case, you can visit a location and then you... It corresponds to a uh, the big thick book of the case, 
that location, you go to that location and you read that little bit and find out what happens when you visit that area. And little by little, you're learning new bits of information that lead you to new areas and gives you new clues and make you look up somebody in the directory and find out where they live. So you can go to that location and find out new things. Sometimes it's a, it's a, um, a dead end. And you're trying to figure out what happened and solve the case in fewer steps than it took Sherlock Holmes, uh, which I think is a brilliant setup for a game. And I love deduction games like that. And I love using my actual brain and actually having to make connections and trying to feel smart and feel, you know, like a private investigator. But in reality, in practice, it's it's hard and it's trying and it's not the game to start late at night because <laughs> you really are thinking and you really are reading. And uh, I think my wife got a little um, little uh, fatigued in this game pretty quickly because it's dense, man. There's a lot of information to parse and stuff is hidden in, in stuff. And you're like, well, how do we do we go there or where even where do we even go next? And well, let's look up that guy. And it, it is it, it really is a um, unguided experience. You are really set free with just bits of information and sort of have to make of it what you can. Uh, I'm anxious to play it more again and maybe with a larger group of people. It was just the two of us. And my wife and I were a little befuddled pretty quickly. And I think she lost a little interest. And I, uh, I, I would like to play with a larger group of people earlier in the day and maybe give it a, a, a deeper shot because I love the concept. It's just not for the faint of heart. I mean, it really there isn't much to do other than think. You'd sit around and you think and you go, well, maybe that guy. I don't know. What, what did he say again? And it's a lot of reading, uh, a lot of reading out loud. It's a lot of parsing, uh, you know, d- dense sentences. So it's certainly not for everybody. Uh, again, it's called Sherlock Holmes Consulting Detective. Better or worse, you or Robert Downey Jr.? Oh, I mean, I think I'm not going to be I'm not going to be Cumberbatchian, but I think I could uh, you know, I think I could d- deduce as well as Downey. I mean, oh. he's mostly about <laughs> punching people and wearing fake noses, right? Shots we can fired. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm terrible. I'll be honest. I'm terrible. <laughs> what about the elementary version of Sherlock Holmes? Oh, yeah. The elementary, my dear Watson? The CBS, no, the, the CBS show. Yeah. Oh, you know, I never really watched that. I heard oh, it's, it's pretty good, though. Is it yeah. good? Oh, yeah. I love that show. Well, uh, let's wrap things up, guys. Um, you're welcome, everybody. I know I, you got some hot talk, but I didn't mention VR once this entire episode. So there you go. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Done. The dynamite. And done. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. We do have a parting gift coming at you, uh, so stay tuned for that. But um, uh, that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank Jason Heitman for being here. Jason, thank you it, so much. No, no, uh, no, no. This is really fun. Pleasure is all mine. So I really I had a lot of fun. I haven't done a podcast in a while, so it was good times. Right on. Uh, where can people keep up with you and uh, and your studio? Uh, for me, on Twitter, you can just follow me, Triceup. T-R-Y-C-E-U-P, and then our game is Dead Star. It's at Dead Star Game uh, pretty much everywhere, whether it's on Twitch, Twitter, um, Reddit, uh, a bunch of different places like that. So we try to keep it the same, and you can catch us there. We do dev streams pretty much every Friday. Um, We got some cool stuff to show off this week, so I believe we're going to do one. Other than that... uh, you can go pre-order the game or buy it for fourteen ninety nine, uh, and we hope to see you in the community. Very cool, Christian. How about you? What do you got going on this week? 
Uh, I'm still doing my Twitch streams on Thursdays. It's twitch.tv Christian Spicer is, uh, is the name. And then this Wednesday, I will be headlining Red's comedy show in San Diego. If you're in San Diego, I'll be headlining that show. And, and uh, so come out to that and then popping into a whole bunch of shows in San Diego on Wednesday the 20th. So if you are if you are in San Diego, come out to that. Otherwise, um, we are Pack South again, the 29th. We're doing a panel there. I'm doing two stand-up spots that night as well at uh, Blind Tiger. Oh, I'm forgetting the name. I will tweet it out. I've already tweeted that once, but something Blind Tiger Comedy Club, San Antonio. And then Saturday the 30th, I'm doing a spot at Sure Thing in Austin. And then the weekend after that, I will be at the North Carolina Comedy Arts Festival in Chapel Hill bringing improv versus stand-up up there if you are there and then doing some stand-up as well. And last but not least, uh, improv versus stand-up is ending its run at UCB here in Los Angeles on Sunday the 24th, and it is going to be an awesome show. Heather and Miles are going to be doing the improv. They were the first team to do the show. They're also the longest-running UCB cage match improv champs, which if you know anything about cage match here in LA, it is uh, incredible. Heather is also an avid gamer and just an all-around rad person so is miles so that is sunday the 24th here in los angeles if you uh if you are in town jeff what uh what's on your radar this week you know i once competed in that cage match it was fun it was a yeah. blast, blast uh we got uh new episodes of the slash film cast coming at you uh we're talking about anomalisa this week which is a fascinating movie and um the tomorrow daily crew i think i'm gonna get a chance this week if you're not watching tomorrow daily at tomorrowdaily.com I think I'm going to have a chance this week to try the Tesla suit, which Ooh. is a full-body VR haptic feedback suit. Sorry, I did bring up VR. Screw you guys. Um, but check that out at uh, TomorrowDaily.com. Also, we have concerns. Oh, my gosh. Last Friday, we had a very special guest episode with none other than Christian Spicer as our guest, uh, which is a really funny episode on Friday. But we also have, for patrons, a bonus episode that... I think is one of my favorite ones we've ever done. Christian uh, talks very honestly about some really deep, dark subjects. And I, I think if you guys only know Christian from this show or his stand-up, uh, maybe you should uh, listen to that episode because it's pretty pretty interesting. It was really it's probably fun the most it. honest podcast I've ever done. And not that I'm not honest with my opinion. Because you're here. a liar. <laughs> but in terms of like, uh, we're not talking about games. We're not covering a subject and just um, diving into a concern. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was interesting. I uh, really appreciated you being on. Uh, that's at wehaveconcerns.com. You can also follow me at Jeff Kanata. That's going to do it. Uh, we do have our parting gift, so let's get right to that right now. Jason, do you have um, something to give the people uh, that might not have anything to do with video games? Yeah, I can't believe I'm saying this as an Android user, but man, I've really bought into the Beats 1 radio on Apple Music. Like, just the radio stations that are on there, and some of my favorite artists, from like Josh Josh Homme to, uh, I mean, all the way to the man himself, Dr. Dre, but like, those things are pretty legit. Like, I really enjoy listening to those radio stations, so if, if you're a user and you just want to check them out, I suggest it. There is some Very really cool. good music in there. Awesome. I'm I'm guilty that I haven't even tried it yet, but uh, maybe I will. Christian, how about you? You got a parting gift? I mentioned it earlier in terms of like films and things that are maybe hard to consume, but we should consume. Uh, the film Spotlight, which has won much praise and is up for an Oscar and um, I think well-deserved the ensemble cast in that is incredible. 
And I think um, they present a a story in a very compelling way as a film and cover very important subject matter. It is about um, the Catholic Church in Boston and alleged molestations um, that happened and maybe are still happening. And it, you know, it can be difficult to watch, um, but I think it's really well done and I think covers the subject fairly in terms of the actual reporting that was done by the Boston Globe at the time and also is a compelling movie to watch where sometimes those aren't the same thing. And the film is called Spotlight. Yeah, agreed. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, inserts. I know I've been a very tabletop heavy game, uh, episode for me talking about a game that's a video game that's like a tabletop thing talking about actual tabletop things and now my 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 parting gift kind of has to do with tabletop stuff too i got a uh, an insert uh for one of my actually i think probably my favorite game of all time it's called lahav uh, i got an insert f- uh, from this company called dataless that does these custom inserts i've done a few of them before I spent basically Sunday afternoon watching football and sitting there constructing this this insert. It's all um, uh, laser cut wood pieces. Eh, I guess they're, they're wood, but they're you know it's not nice wood. It's little flimsy wood, but they're these cut pieces, and you assemble it kind of like a cool erector set or a Lego set. And what you have when you're done is this awesome awesome custom insert for your box that keeps all the pieces, that makes it so that you can remove them really quickly and really easily. It looks awesome. There's like it's got a label on the box so you can like pull this piece this wooden set out that has all the pieces all set up for it and they're all labeled in their own little boxes and it it just makes setup and takedown super quick and efficient and awesome. And I just love stuff like that and this is like 20 bucks. And the process of making it was really fun because I sat there watching football and like using glue and fitting the pieces together and gluing the bits in and doing arts and crafts, which I never do. So anyway, uh, if you guys, if you're into board games at all, you should check out custom inserts because there's ones for almost every game out there. And uh, you can get really deep down that little rabbit hole, which is really fun. All right, that's it for this episode of DLC. Uh, Thanks to Jason Heitman, Christian Spicer, Maggie Ball. Uh, Thanks to Sean Madigan and his wife for their cool uh, drops and uh, bumpers for all of our segments. Patrick L. for the intro. Patrick L. for that intro. Sweet voice. That's true. (laughs) Y'all's music in between the cuts was cracking me up every time you guys would play them. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, that's going to be it for this episode. We'll be back next Monday with more fun. Until that time, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.